Would you care to step outside? We need to do this. Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Brings are back, bitches! Woo! What is up, everybody? That time of week again, where we'll break down the latest episode here on DC on RMD Titans Edition on Rain Man Digital. And this is our last episode of season three that we'll be breaking down today, the season finale. I'm your host, Stephen, and tonight I have David. Hello. And Paul. Hey. And Lauren. Hello. Lauren, Lauren's back. We, th- we threw her in the pit and she came back. I know. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. We're, we're happy to have you back, Lauren. So this episode, season three, episode 13, titled Purple Rain... Directed by Chad Lowe and written by Richard Hatem and Greg Walker. Um, before we get right into the inevitable throwing of chairs at one another over this episode, <laughs> um, quick news, and I didn't want to touch on this last episode, even though we knew this had happened. I wanted to wait because the timing would be better. Uh, DC Fandom just happened, and they announced officially that Titans was renewed for a season four. Yeah. So I think we all hoped and dreamed and figured that that would happen, uh, particularly the way the season was going this season, being pretty solid overall. Pretty solid. It, it clearly, Warner Brothers or you know the Berlanti team and HBO saw the numbers and they agreed. So we're going to get a season four, which is pretty dope. I'm excited about that. And I also wanted to mention last episode, we talked briefly about the Lazarus pit and not knowing about what, what it, you know, was in terms of the context of the comics and had anybody really delved deeply into it. And they have, but I briefly mentioned this last episode, but I just wanted to point out for folks listening that want to dig deeper into Raisha's lore. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that was done with Denny O'Neill and, and Neil Adams, yep. uh, the co-creators of Rachel Ghoul and the pit um, go pick up son of the demon, bride of the demon and rebirth of the demon. Check it out digitally. If you don't want to pay an egregious amount of money for these books, they're older late eighties, early nineties is when they came out, but they really go into a lot of the lore behind Raish and Talia and Batman's relationship to them. And without those, even though it's kind of out of continuity without those, we don't get Damien. So Damien, very good point. Damien being Batman's son, spoiler alert. So go check that out, learn about the pit, and then that'll hopefully help you understand what the fuck is going on in this show. Um, amongst many other things, we were talking in the studio before, before we got started. That said, let me interject really quickly. It. Are we live? We are not live. Okay. Apparently we lost Lauren. We lost Lauren. Okay, well, she can't hear us at all. That's unfortunate. We 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 ran out of pits, Paul. We we're out of pits. <laughs> we're out of pits. We're out of pits. So, um, just because like you finishing that is a great point to cut if if that's what we got to do. I don't know. So, next up on the docket is the show itself. Let's let's break down this episode and talk about some of the the highlights and the lowlights. And David and I are probably going to get into a fisticuffs <laughs> battle, I would imagine. Maybe. Um, maybe. 
I, I, I want to preface this all with, look, at the end of the day, I would mainline any Batman com- content when it comes to TV or movie. Exactly. Into my veins. Just yeah. just give it to me. I, I really don't give a shit um, if, if it's terrible or or fantastic or well, somewhere no. in between. There's, there's a cutoff for terrible. Is there, though? Yeah. How much of Gotham did you watch? Because it was none with me. Okay, Paul raises a very That's valid, a valid point. point. But was Batman? Well, no, Batman was actually in it. He was a child, <laughs> and and there was some goodness there in pockets. But I, so Paul is correct. That is one that you can almost throw out the baby with the bathwater. Fair enough. Um, but I would take pretty much any Batman con- content uh, on any day of the week. Just give it to me. And this is no different. And as we were talking in the studio before we started recording. The problem that we've talked about this before on previous episodes this season and even first season, the problem that this show suffers from is if you are not a Batman fan, you have no idea what is going on. Take that further. If you don't know comics, especially in this season, by the end of this episode, you you will get lost. You you will get lost. Absolutely lost. You you have to be a, a card carrying comic book member uh, of the of the community of reading books to really appreciate some of what happened in this episode in particular. And, and as I was noting before we started recording, many of us spent the last several months watching WandaVision and watching Loki. And, and those are fantastical, crazy stories that are on par with the craziness that we saw in this particular episode, if not yes. many episodes of this season. But the difference is folks watching those shows, if they've watched all 20-something films and everything that that built a foundation, they slowly fed you stuff in the MCU. They slowly added more bits uh, to the puzzle over time Mm -hmm. to prepare your palate for things like the ultimate battle with Thanos or things like, um, hell, even the first Avengers movie. You know, they, they gave you these pieces over time and that allows you to, to build that believability of, and, and allow a viewer to accept this from a writing perspective and, and say, okay, I accept what I'm seeing on screen. And we didn't get that with Titans. Well, now that's where I feel I slightly disagree with you is because like, if you take it from the, you, you'd have to ask yourself since the beginning of season one, we've been introduced to this world of Titans and we've been introduced to some fantastical things. You we know, have. Since the very beginning, especially with the, with the very first season dealing with Raven and Trigon. And there's a lot to digest about that. Yes. So the question, the, the, the comparison that you had with Marvel and, and this is actually very appropriate. Marvel had a lot of time. The question became for, I think, for a lot of viewers for Titans this season was, were, did we have enough time? And for for me, I could probably say that we've had two seasons, two full seasons, and now we're in this season. The lot the the quote unquote comic book logic could be swallowed up a bit more because of the first two seasons. I think I, it those certainly help. However, even the Trigon character there wasn't enough setup really to get to that point to be able to swallow that pill wholesale. And so if you look at this purely from a writing or, or film or picture making perspective, 
there's a lot that's left to be desired. If you look at it strictly from a fan point of view, and particularly a fan of the Batman or Titans mythos, then you're you're getting everything that you signed up for, if not more. Oh, yeah, especially if this past season, we've all been gushing about the fact about how, oh, my God, did you see that they copied this from the comics? Did yeah. they pay homage to this comic? And all those things that they've been doing for us comic book fans. But what are they doing for the average viewer? And again, I shared this before we so, went to record, but I, I, I have a friend that I asked her specifically because she loves anything comic book related in terms of movie and TV. Loves it. And she was looking for something to watch. And I said, you got to watch Titans. And she tried and she couldn't even get past like the third episode because she didn't, she looked, thought Dick was pretty. She was into Dick, but <laughs> You know, besides that, there was nothing to really hook her because she didn't have an attachment to the characters because she didn't know who the hell they were. So, so that's that's really funny, actually, because um, so my boyfriend has never read a Batman comic in his life. Um, oh, you got to get rid of him. You got to get rid of him immediately. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> nah, nah, he's fine. But uh, he so he's he's never read any of the comics. He's always felt like a lot of people that haven't read many comics if any at all they they with the marvel cinematic universe they kind of say like oh i'm more of a marvel fan you know mm -hmm. like i think i like those characters more mm -hmm. just because they're more familiar with them Correct. but he started watching titans with me and he jumped in with this season with season three and he was hooked he played some of arkham knight Never beat it, never played a whole lot of it. He played some of it before we moved or something and just got distracted by other stuff. Um, but other than that, like, he just doesn't have a lot of Batman knowledge. He just doesn't. It's not there for him, but he was hooked. He was into it. He got everything from context. Um, you know, sometimes after something very comic booky would happen, I would let him know, you know, something that I knew he was missing. Mm -hmm. Um, just just to be like, hey, that's that's an extra cool little thing. And he'd be like, oh, that's cool. But none of the deep bat family kind of stuff that was thrown into this season deterred him at all. And um, and I think even even stuff like um, like Argus for him, he didn't know who Argus was mm -hmm. and. He, But he got it because of Marvel, because there's so many parallels. And when you're so used to watching comic book things, he turned to me and he went, is Argus basically like S.H.I.E.L.D.? And I said, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. More or less. You got that's it. Fair. Yeah. Um, so so I think I think there's a lot of people out there that that might be deterred by the fact that they are not quite sure what's going on. But there's so many more people that either... They don't really care because they're kind of used to being thrown into these big, deep worlds with whatever it is, whether it's Game of Thrones or, you know, right, um, right. What, what have you. And they, they they just throw lore at you and you just see what sticks. And then all of a sudden, you know stuff. But there's a fundamental <laughs> flaw in that in, in that it's a very big crutch to set your foundation on top of where you have to have your audience assume or infer so much about what they're seeing i'm not saying you have to spoon feed it to them like cheerios sure. but you can find a balance i think I mean, that's that's fair but i th i think that's the like the thing that 
like Marvel versus DC has kind of been doing all this time where Marvel was like, hey, let's build this whole let's just recreate all of our shit in movie form in a way that allows people to, you know, eases them in and boom, here we here go. We're off with airplane. things. Whereas <laughs> DC has kind of always handled, I mean, obviously with this show, but with a lot of their content, they've kind of taken some of those principles where they're they're doing it more as fan service rather than trying to pull in a new audience is that the right yes. thing to do I, I think for money no, no probably for not money but <laughs> no but um with with that said i mean even even that whole approach only goes so far because you know you were talking about wandavision loki some of these great shows that we've watched this year if you haven't seen at least a majority of the 23 movies prior to them it's just like jumping into Titans season three. Yeah. True. I 100% agree. But going back to your, your point about the money, if it, look, all these companies are, are mega corporations that have shareholders and quarterly revenue targets. And so if you want to maximize your profits, it behooves you to take your time to build that foundation. And if you take the, and I'm not saying uh, I, I, I'm a Marvel guy and fuck DC. Yeah. Obviously I love both of them. But simply from a from a fiduciary perspective, right? Marvel took the McDonald's approach. They started simple, yes, and they started with a singular thing, and they got you hooked when you were young. Yeah, and now twenty something odd films later, and how many TV shows? I mean, the only one I didn't watch was Agents of Shield for obvious reasons. That doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. Um, but everything else, I mean, and think about that from children perspective. Now, obviously these, the, the these shows on HBO max are certainly not for children. Yes. Um, but they say the fuck word. They, they do a lot more than just That's say the fuck word. word, but, um, you know, there, there's something to be said about building a foundation and, and being able to get as many viewers as you can signed in do that thing, whether it's a subscription service or whatever, and, and being able to pump them full of content and keep them hooked. And normally, I would agree with you. I, I'd 100% agree with you because that is the fundamentals of writing a TV show and a film. The only problem that I've, I've seen with the DC product, how I've started seeing how their quote-unquote strategy is. Well, everyone says they have no strategy. Lately, I've been thinking... Something that Paul brought up off air, which was nowadays audiences are treated like you should know this, go Google it, go search it. That's a, that's almost kind of like a new way of a generational audience is actually looking at, at shows nowadays. And especially with on the DC side, just like what you said, Steve, it's almost like night and day when you compare DC and Marvel Let's forget about like saying which is worse and which is which is better. At this point, I'm thinking that this is how DC looks at it. They go the opposite route. They say, you know what? We can build the fundamentals and take 20 years. Or we can hook people with, you know, quote unquote stellar writing and leave it up to the audience to go, hey, I want to know more about that. I'll go check out a comic. I'll I'll let pe- I'll let people tell me just like what you did early in the show. Say like, hey, if you want to know more about the Lazarus Pit, 
Go check out these stories. But I feel like I'm obligated to share that with our listeners because the show didn't do it for them. I mean, but if they were that concerned, and not to say that they had to, but if they were that concerned with what the fuck are these pits? Where did they come from? They would have Googled it. They would have read nine pages on Wikipedia by now, and they know more than you do. (laughs) I I had to smack the phone out of my boyfriend's hand when he asked me out loud, oh, does Red Hood uh, like actually use guns like in the comics and stuff? And I was just like, yeah. And I saw him start to pull up a freaking wiki page on Red Hood. And I was like, no, because it was before the Jason reveal. Exactly. And so there's the danger. Exactly what Lauren Mm -hmm. said. It's one thing if you you use a word or a term or a phrase as part of your, your, your storytelling or even introduce a concept to something that someone may not be familiar with. That, that means like if I used a big crazy, word that somebody hadn't known behooved sure then if they picked up a dictionary or they pick up their phone to find out what a word meant awesome then then they've learned something but to lauren's point if you're having to to force someone to go and do like copious amounts of research as they're watching they're going to spoil things to come, which is the I, opposite of I what think, you want to yeah. do. I think, I think that's a reflex no matter no matter what you do, though. I mean, people get stuck in a game and what do they do? They Google it. You know, it's exactly. it is a reflex now rather than um, a necessity yeah. from what you're watching. And, and that is the point that I was making when David and I were talking off air. We're like, it's it shouldn't be expected that your audience is going to do that. But like. You have, a, you have a they safety are, net. Going you know that. that they're sitting in front of a TV captive as a captive audience member with access to a tablet or a cellular device or a laptop. And, and think about it. Think about like the D, other DC shows. Um, one example that I that I brought up right away, it, oh, right off the bat, is Doom Patrol. Who the hell are these dead boys? Yeah, but fantastic episode yeah. and what did it do it forced people to go and find out about the dead boy detectives and yes we had uh, we had emphasis all right in. hold on a second david i hate to be the one to break my own rule <laughs> I, i'm gonna interrupt here because i am the doom patrol master here yes and yes you okay, are that's not a great comparison the reason why is because, because that episode the dead boy you. detective literally explained who the dead boy detectives yes. were yeah whereas titans is going solely off assumptions that's it imagine if there was any other show that was not batman related and they brought up a pit that brought people back to life. Arrow. They would have to set it up. But think about this, Mike. See, and I don't even <laughs> want to defend Arrow right now, but Arrow at least explained what the Lazarus Pit actually was. Into great detail. And did. Whereas this is just, they're using it as a as a bit of a plot device just to get past certain things. And sure, you know, going back to WandaVision and uh, Loki as examples of, Hey, if you didn't really watch the MCU prior, you wouldn't quite understand what's happening. what's happening. But the point is, is those series are part of a larger story that have been established. The Titans is sure. all by itself. There is no continuity. There is no other canon except this show. And they're using things based in the Batman world that have never been actually explained. And they're basing it on things that are not even really a part of their show. That's what I'm saying. They're taking assumptions, large leaps to hoping that people know what this is because most people, even Lauren's boyfriend, know who Bruce Wayne is. Yeah. They know 
the Batmobile. Most people have mainstream knowledge of Batman for the most part. So that's why it works in some way because they're relying on things that have been established over the last, I don't know, 50, 60 years. Yes. But, they're, all, it's but they're cheating because they're not putting these things in the TV show. And if there was a, any other TV show that did this, we would be upset and say it's really bad because you're not explaining who this character is, why we care about him, why are we ha- introducing this pit that brings pe- people back to life without any actual explanation as to how it works, what it is, why it's in the middle of a warehouse district. Like, what is <laughs> happening here? That's the problem yeah. with Titans. Now, I don't want to come on here and say, and I believe I said this maybe six episodes ago, I feel that Titans is a good Batman show. It's a good show. Yeah. But there is an argument to be made that it's written very poorly in the traditional sense. And 100% 100 agree with you. Just like what I said is like earlier is about if you were to actually take like Steve's original point about how traditionally we, this is how a story would unfold to us sure yeah but you have to throw in the fact that to me it's almost like dc is looking at all their shows now and saying let's just go the opposite route and do something untraditional that's totally what they're doing um that's totally what they're doing so let's let's veer our car back onto the road our batmobile um and and you know lauren brought up argus how cool was that to find out again, they didn't explain who Argus was, but I almost wonder based on what we were just talking about and and Mike having brought up arrow, if they're hoping that our viewers of this show have spent some time over in the Arrowverse and maybe got some education over there on some of these concepts, then they wouldn't fully come in flying completely blind. Blind. And if they, I think that's what they're banking on. and, And that may be the case. And so we find out Barbara's Barbara's <laughs> I call her right hand woman, but um you know, her top dog there in the G C P D is not who she thought she was. And she's <laughs> been working for Argus this whole time. Now immediately my mind jumps to Amanda Waller. But th- if this is actually Amanda Waller, even though she gave some fake name, I can't trust what she said. Right. This I feel like V is way too trustworthy. Well, and we get her name later anyway. So yeah, I still don't uh, trust her. If she deceived us this entire time under the guise of having worked for Gotham PD, I don't believe her. She's full of shit. And if this does turn, and if if that ends up that she isn't full of shit, um, or that she is, and it is Amanda Waller, I would actually be okay with that because this is a much different take on Amanda Waller than we've ever seen. I I think so too. Yeah. I I don't want to completely derail, so I'm going to say one thing and hope nobody re, re, <laughs> nobody responds to it and we move forward. <laughs> but because because you just mentioned um the the Lazarus pit, Argus and, you know, a name that I know you're about to say. I'm going to drop um, it. All of those were established, like very established in Arrow. And so um, and because of that fucking crossover episode that happened, everything is vaguely connected through the multiverse. So I think they, yeah, they really are just banking on the audience having knowledge of those things through those other shows. And again, whether that's the right or wrong way to go about it, exactly. like it, 
you know, makes sense in a way that like, yes, it has been explained, just not in this show. Mm-hmm. And did you watch the show where it was explained? Oh, no. But like, that's where your info is, because you can just take all of that as it's presented from Arrow and boom, that's exactly how it factors in here. Yeah, they did all their setup over on the CW shows in a lot of ways. But it, one of those setups, although it's probably not going to be the same person if they're introduced, is our good pal Roy Harper, also known <laughs> as Arsenal. Yes. Also known as a member of the Red Hood and the fucking Outlaws. And so if, <laughs> if there, there's multiple seeds they've been planting, David. Yes. And if and they, see, aren't you excited? I'm excited about the possibility that we're going to get a spinoff based on how this episode kind of ended. Lauren, what do you think? Were you excited to hear Roy be name dropped? Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's what, like the second time that it's really happened. And the first time was way back yonder in like season one or whatever when Mm -hmm. Donna was introduced and his name just popped up on her phone. But right. Um, I think, I think if we don't get a full blown spinoff show, I think it'll be, we riot, um, (laughs) (laughs) right. Or I, I just think it'll happen, you know, in terms of the next season, like over the course of the next season, we'll start to see Jason put together his outlaws, um, potentially. I hope so. I really hope so. I'm crossing my fingers. What was odd to me was shortly after that we we when we get to the scene of Gar and Raven showing up to help Donna and Tim and the family in their shootout with the GCPD. Yes. So that was kind of cool. You have a little kind of family reunion, as it were, right? And and Raven finally getting to see Donna in person after all this. It's like that was awesome. But then Tim's parents are like, "Yeah, sure, go with the Titans." Yeah. <laughs> You're terrible parents. Absolutely terrible. That should have been a Tim decision, like pushing, pushing the family. I need to see this through. Yeah. You guys get to safety and not the family being like, it's okay. You can go to be superhero. Story wise. I agree with you guys. Story wise, you know, as a writer. Yeah. Normally that would be good. However, just with the family, ninja- with the family, I like the fact that basically this family is such a different dynamic than what we normally see. Because From a normally, normal family, like the fact that the parents are alive, or what do you mean? Well, basically, you know, <laughs> in like the bad verse. in in a stereotypical writing sense, a family would be no, no, you can't go with them, and that's, basically cause that, drama. That's, that's right? the parenting sense. Yeah, yeah that no, is no, the no, correct. Yeah. Sense. That is the correct sense to care for your offspring and ensure that they're safe. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Absolutely. this is still a very young man. Absolutely. But and- Steve, here's the thing. Not all families like that are like that in the you, in the real world. I, I'm going to agree 100%. with you on a bunch of stuff this episode. This isn't one of them. I, so, David, I agree. Not every Not family, every family is, like is that. cut like this. I get that. And it, it, However, it's, the, it's the idea that basically they're doing something that's not cookie cutter to me, that I like it. Look, they, they're, they're, this is a family that is from the big, big city, big mega city. Um, however, just because you already caught your kid with allegedly found merchandise uh, and built <laughs> well, he's his... in the garage sales and stuff. Okay. It ain't stole. It's it not stole, but his little Tim cave, the fact that they got over that so quickly, and then they, like we said last episode, they just 
didn't really seem to care too much about his cousin having a duffel bag full of machine guns. These are some very bad parents. Bad parents. Thing. I yeah. was going to say understanding, but no, you're right. They're bad. They're just bad parents. <laughs> They're just bad. But that, that's what are the you thing, supposed though? to do in that situation where the whole city's gone to hell and everyone's trying to murder you, you with guns? T- Lauren, you try to take your son. <laughs> you were on a mission to get the hell out of the city, so you take your son and get the hell out of the city. You don't be like, oh, just because they you were ninja on their way out of the city, and as, then there were a bunch of dudes with guns. As, exactly. As and a family, Tim's, and Tim's they just. Dad. Tim's dad's been known to actually, you know, he's part of he's part of the police force, so he was, knows this was was, but he's he's pretty much like I've been a police for, a policeman in Gotham. I pretty much know that this place is messed up. So you, <laughs> as Gotham a father, is not- <laughs> and as a former police officer who knows how fucked up the city is, and you're in the middle of a shootout that you just narrowly got away because two more Titans showed up. This this is okay to you, David, to send your child back into the Jesus Christ. No one has ever accused Gotham parents of being good exactly. at parenting. Yeah, like honestly, honestly yeah, you would move. You would move. If you were in the DC universe, normal parents would say, look at Gotham and say, yeah, we're, we're leaving. We're, but, we're moving to Smallville. <laughs> but people who live in Gotham, they're special people. <laughs> I, I, I guess it just people. It, it was just a very odd thing, particularly in the heels of what we talked about last week. That it, I didn't buy it. It seemed like almost like a weird MacGuffin just to push him in that direction because we know he needs to go that direction. We know he needs to be trained as Robin. That's what he wants. We know it has to happen because we know we as Bat fan, Batman fans know who Tim Drake is. And yeah, I do wish on the side note, <laughs> on the side note that I do wish that we had a little bit more, a little bit more meat to give Tim to give like what you said, Paul earlier, some meat, some reason to actually do this. Like, I don't, I don't want whatever. I don't want to wish bad on fictional characters, but like, his parents probably should have died in that shootout. It would right? have made it much more impactful had one Especially of them. Especially with how this episode ends. Like, moms needed to die, is what you're saying. Honestly, both of them. With how the episode ended, I don't. How do you. Like, whatever. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a little happy go lucky, but, you know, it, that, that point stuck out to me. As did the I next did, one yeah, yeah. with <laughs> Blackfire. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the, the scene picks up after, from last episode of Connor blowing up, uh, Blackfire's ship yes. by sabotage, um, cause he doesn't want to see her leaving and Starfire is like, what in the hell, bro? Like, what did you do? And for Blackfire to just kind of turn around and be like, it's cool. Like, I forgive him. I would have done it. What? <laughs> like okay, this point I do agree with you. <laughs> Just because how frustrating it was with like, building up the yes. Connor character. Well, building up the whole thing of of her wanting to get back home this whole time to to rule uh, and the the dynamic between her and her sister and then at odds over this entire topic of ruling all these flashbacks. There was so much foundation laid on that topic between these two sisters and the relationship between Connor and Blackfire that he's kept her from leaving earth to head home to get her rightful throne. 
And then they're just going to throw all that in the trash can with just like one line, essentially. Come on. that That's not good writing, David. Come on. I I do agree with you there. I do agree with you that the, particularly more so because of like, we've built up this dynamic of Connor trying to deal with the fact of his duality and suddenly the duality comes up and he doesn't get questioned about it. No, it's just, Oh, you're forgiven. Oh, okay. No consequences. No consequence. Nothing. nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah. Yeah. Do you think maybe she forgave him because he had some of that good, good. She wanted more of it. Oh I, yeah. I think it was just two really <laughs> toxic people. Really clicking. (laughs) You know what, Paul? You have a very good point there. It's just two toxic people. Just, I mean, Connor's not toxic by... There's a piece of him that can be. Not as a character, but like that was a toxic fucking choice. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole season, Connor has been making kind of toxic choices he has but he's still learning and and what's funny about it is that you know starfire is just kind of like i'm over it like so good (laughs) on her for you know acknowledging all the bullshit she's been through you know the last couple years and then to just be like you know what sometimes people out there listening sometimes when you have toxic family in your life it's okay to just cut them the fuck out and that's what she was about to do. And yeah, this is this is the point in the episode where I started questioning myself. About what? About this episode. This okay. is the point. Because like so much was built up and we were supposed to expect that this is story B. Yes. This is supposed to be the, you know, at first, I mean, in the last episode, we were speculating that, oh, this is going to be carried on into next season. Obviously, that's not the case because you kind of reach a conclusion by the end, just like what you were alluding to, Paul. But it's kind of like, okay, this is this is partially where I I, I give it to you, Steve. You're right. The writing was bad at this point. It, it was. Um, I want to take a real quick break and I want to get into the good writing where it, it actually is really solid. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. So where it gets good with the writing. Um, again, Crane, everything about Crane, that whole shot of him sitting in the Batcave watching the crazy World War II footage and clearly voiceover work talking about the, the Nazi regime and yes. all that. 
like spooky as all get out be because you know because you just said it and because i saw it in the notes when and that's like the opening scene of the episode yeah opening scene um watching that i was like oh what the fuck i i immediately dug around a little bit and i couldn't find anything but that that narration Mm -hmm. sounded like um john noble who played uh voiced scarecrow in arkham knight like that oh. sounded like him. So I, I don't know. It'd be if cool it if it was. was. It would be yeah. really cool. If um, it was. But I just got like those hard vibes. Yeah. It's very creepy, very unnerving. Um, and we've, you know, we ultimately are finding out what his, his plan was from the, the end of the last episode, but we're starting to see it really go into motion. He's got the crazy, this crazy toxin and he's going to unleash it. It's going to kill everybody with bombs. And, it, you know, it just made me think of, especially when we actually see them going off, it made me think of 89 Batman and Smilex and Joker's yeah. big plan. It was, it's very much in the Batman wheelhouse, which, oh, yeah. I, you know, again, as a Batman fan, I appreciate the hell out of it. I, I honestly, I was like taken aback when it just killed people instead of making them like freak out freak yeah out. yeah well we already had freak out earlier with, with you know him poisoning the the city with the hallucinogen yeah and and in batman begins and like like i get yeah. that so now we, we going got, straight to fucking yeah. you I, I was shocked you gotta well, you gotta turn the volume up man to 11 well this is this is actually the culmination of him i guess you could say embracing the scarecrow persona like Crane's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He he he. Crane broke himself, mm-hmm. and that was the whole story of his character. I mean, that has been honestly the MVP of the season is the Crane storyline because you start off with this villain who is not the atypical villain you'd ever expect, but then you kind of see the fact that it is for me at this point when you open up the episode with that, it's like that tragic culmination of you know Crane ended up losing himself and Mm -hmm. the scarecrow persona basically just took over. And that's why his plan went from like zero to 60. And suddenly it was like, Oh, I just want to control people. No, now I want to just kill people. Yeah. And we have to assume, you know, he's had numerous battles with Batman throughout the years. Uh, You know, even though he didn't look like he was that old of a guy, he was still rather young. Um, They've, they've scrapped Batman's dealt with him. But now he's just over the edge. Now he's just full tilt. I'm going to murder people. What I was a little bummed about was we didn't see what we wanted, Paul, and that was the mask. We saw this kind of Bane slash Arkham Knight hybrid with some stitching, which, okay. I I liked the aesthetics with the stitching but like because this is tv because this was not a real functional gas mask that he needed to live in that city it could have looked like anything and it was really fucking big and really cheap looking i i would have preferred something also um just the fact that it was necessary at all because isn't like step one when you are when your life's work is a toxin of sorts is you you make yourself immune to it you would think especially it, since he's a master pharmacologist and and he probably I mean, yeah that, that's what batman does he figures out what the strains are and then imme- makes himself immune to each of them so like it would have been cool just to see him just fucking out there just walking through it while everyone's dead around him and it does nothing to him yes batman is known to do that batman also got addicted to venom so, 
because he was immune to being weak. <laughs> the thing, the thing is, though, about that whole scene, him donning the new mask, it, it's kind of symbolically him in his own weird sort of way evolving the scarecrow persona. That's fair. And showcasing the work he did. The showcasing face. that he that he that he was. He 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 evolved. He's trying to, you know, like how Bruce has been telling. The whole story of Batman is be a better Batman. Well, in a way, this this culmination is like praying, trying to be a better scarecrow, be someone that's not just, you know, this pathetic being. He wants to be terrorized. He, wa- he wants people to be absolutely terrified of him and kind of transcend that scarecrow persona. So like him donning that new kind of mask kind of, to me, symbolically meant he's trying to be better than what he was. You got to leave people alive to have them scared. You, you do. And and he just wants to take over the whole city. Let's be honest. Um, that that's his ultimate plan. And, and, but to thwart his crazy plan, Dick's going to get the team together. And I, I like that we pick up kind of with him and, and Jason and he tells Jason, I need your help. I'll get a hold of you. And then Jason just kind of disappears. And we don't see him for a little while while Dick goes and tries to get the team together to figure out all these different ways to disable a bomb and then realizes as they're talking about it, we're doing the exact thing that we always do in these situations or Batman would do. We need to be creative and think about something different. And then we go down sideways into a ditch where we have Connor using his Lex brain drawing things on a whiteboard like Barry Allen talking. And it's like, okay, where the fuck is this going? Lauren, did you get bad Barry Allen vibes there for a minute? <laughs> Not quite so much, but but I see your point. I do. Um, I think I think my issues with the episode don't really lie there. It, it didn't really lie with that. So okay. that, that one gets an okay pass from me. Okay, fair enough. It was real science, too. It, it was uh, like, Look, it was educational. I'm not going to refute that. But what what was happening is we were starting to see the steps laid. And and remember, Steve, this was laid out that earlier, this is how, this is how Connor thinks. Because remember earlier when he was trying to disable the bombs originally, yep. that's how his brain just started lightning quick. And yeah, it's very Barry Allen-ish. And it's difficult to differentiate the two, but I'm kind of with Lauren on this where I'm willing to forgive it because they established that Superboy, this is how his mind thinks. Okay. And and that's fair. It's just, it, it starts. <laughs> you sound disappointed. <laughs> I, I, I'm a little disappointed because as I'm sitting here talking to you guys and recollecting those scenes and I'm just like. You know, here is a moment where we've already had a couple of situations where the disabling of a bomb didn't work out for Connor. And you could say, hey, you know, he he's scared of, of going down that path again. He lost a friend because of his inability to disable a bomb. I would look at it from the standpoint of it's an opportunity for you to do better than you did last time. Well, that's why earlier, I mean, just the idea that you mentioned that Dick was literally telling the team. Hey, we've been thinking about this the wrong way and thinking of doing it the typical superhero way. And suddenly he says, you know, 
we need to do something different. Which I totally appreciate that pivot and it, it, that moment where he's looking around the, the room and all the different team members are, you know, talking amongst <laughs> themselves in little pockets, trying to solve the problem from all these different angles. And, and, and you could see in Dick's eyes in that moment that he's realizing like, I'm, one, become I'm becoming, <laughs> what, what's that? Have I become my father? Yeah, there there is kind of that moment. On one hand, though, you can see that he's he's standing up and being the leader. He is he is Mm -hmm. being a leader in that moment. Yeah. But to Lauren's point, he's going about this the same way that Bruce would have went about it. And we've got to do something different because this dude knows how Bruce thinks from firsthand knowledge and from all of the tea that Jason spilt about all of us. <laughs> yes. So from that perspective, I, I have to give him a pass. Um, but, you know, Dick sends in um, Gar to Wayne Manor as a bat. It was a little silly to have him slam into the uh, window. That didn't do much for me. But what the fuck for real? Yeah, like, it was like, a little cheesy. The, the whole fucking homage to like the bat crashing through the window, and that's I, the thing that motivates Bruce to become Batman. I and, get you've it. Been, and you've been wanting those visuals, Steve. I get it, but it and you just... you call yourself a quote unquote bat fan. I get the symbolism. I yeah. get the homage. I get all of that, but. The the following two, three minutes of Gar after the fact being all loopy and shit. Well, he was loopy because he was a bat. He, he They referenced that, that turning into it, yeah, slamming into the window so had nothing to do done. with him being broken afterward. He could have turned into literally anything else. A snake. He could have slithered his ass into the house. Well, I mean, he can only do tigers and bats right now. Yeah. And tigers are too big. <laughs> when are we going to get ape? When are we going to get the gorilla? I was hoping I, hope I was not. hoping I'm, I'm I'm over CG gorillas. Give us other stuff. Did you not like yeah. the gorilla grod? No. You're a monster. I like uh I like the Doom Patrol gorilla. The Doom Patrol gorilla. But he doesn't look like menacing. He no. just looks like a gorilla With, <laughs> holding the brain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve's not on that show. He doesn't I, even know. I'm not I I could not get into. But see, I'm surprised that Okay. I'm going to add fuel to the fire for you. Okay? Please, please throw it on. All right. <laughs> That didn't bother me much because I saw the symbolism just like what Paul said. I'm like, okay, they're doing the symbolism. Is it cheesy? Yes. The cheesy one was the freaking password scene. The freaking password scene. The one who got away. The one who got away. And Tim, for some strange reason, knows Selena Kyle. Tim Tim knows knows everything because it's Tim. And it's Tim. Tim. And I'm like going, God damn it. That was cheesy. I didn't mind that as much. I would have minded it less. It was cheesy. It should have just been Selena. There was no need to have it be Selena Kyle. Kyle. It should have just been Selena. And then Gar could have said, Selena, Selena who? And then he could have been like, Selena Kyle, duh. And like, there could have been some more exposition there. It just, it should have just been Selena. Yes. And and see, I I think that's more cheesier than what you're saying about him being loopy and crashing through the window. Because... I honestly thought the crashing through the window was kind of cool because like what Paul said, all the symbolism, it's kind of like a Batman thing. Well, I have to assume once he got his ass in the window, because they're really bad about this in every other scene that he changes or changes into something and then suddenly magically has clothes. At least in this case, it made sense because once he got into the room, he could just raid the closet. I really want them to make him 
a costume that just shapeshifts. I I just I wanted yeah. like address that for, for him. That. I'm waiting for that. Yeah. It's 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 bothered me in several scenes where he just magically has clothes. This was yeah. I think arguably the only one where it made sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and there's there's other points, I mean, in this episode where it absolutely doesn't. Like, Raven's not carrying his clothes. Uh, when they encounter Donna, yeah. he goes into, like, a bush and all of a sudden has the same hoodie that he had before. Right. Where is he getting this endless supply of clothes? Does he just have them stashed all over yeah, the city? Yeah, he might be like Peter Parker and he's got these, like, <laughs> caches of clothes yeah. hidden around or because, like... <laughs> Because you have to at some point it's, if that's what your well, life is. And he did that a couple episodes back too with Raven, um, especially after they picked up Dick. That was another instance where he did the bat pick up with Dick. It's a comic book. This is comic book logic, though. I mean, come on. Every single superhero does this. Take it even further to, like, say, in Marvel's side with the Incredible Hulk. All right. He woke I up mean, naked after falling through a ceiling. But he constantly has purple pants. Constantly. Constantly. No matter what. <laughs> it just happens. So, like, the clothes thing, it can bother, like, normally. But that's comic book logic. But at least they addressed it in, in like, the Avengers movies. They addressed it, and to Paul's point, well, I think they got him clothes. They so got him clothes, yeah. He needed, he needed clothes so that he wouldn't rip out of them. Gar is under 18. You can't address it yet. <laughs> is he really under 18 in, in this? I kind I don't, of I don't know. The character is, though. I kind, No, I kind of assumed that he was at least 18. I don't know. No, there's no way to no, tell. I think he's, I think he's just as young as Raven and Raven's supposed to be yeah. 16, 16 17. 17. Okay. Okay. Right around that Jason age. So it was cool though, that the guard gets in there and, and runs into to Jason and of course, Dick doesn't tell anybody that he's got Jason on the, on the team and Gar being again, this, he always wanted to help Jason. He was the one. So from a story perspective, this made perfect sense, right? Exactly. He, he, yeah. he wanted to help Jason. He had reached out to Molly to get help for, uh, for Jason. And he's always been the guy in Jason's corner. Like, how can we get Jason back? Do we really have to kill him? What can we do here? And it made sense because when he runs into Jason and Jason's like, it's cool. I talked to Dick. I'm here to help you. There was no... There was no fight that was going to yeah. happen out of it. There was no pushback. It's no. like I read that situation as like Gar was like low key fucking stoked to be working with Jason again. Yeah. 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 Initially was. scared for a moment just because he was like, ah, I was unprepared to fight this fight. And then you sure is a stoked. gun in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> but but that that was really cool because it just further illustrates how warm and loving and caring uh jason is as as a character he he just really cares about his team they're his family he doesn't have a family outside of gar gar i think you meant gar gar sorry gar sorry gar gar doesn't have have friends outside of this like this is his family well that's the that's been his main character I guess you could say his myth arcs since the beginning of season one where yeah. he's trying to become friends with everybody. And when stuff happens between them, he really takes it personal. And like we saw it this season, particularly with Jason and it makes so much sense that basically at the end, the one Titan that basically has backed Jason up to this point is the one that comes to his, that fights alongside him. 
I think while while we're talking about Gar, I do want to point out that when he's told about the left leg of the nightstand, he holds up his hands for left and right. And <laughs> I fucking loved that because right. I am absolutely the same in a, in a moment of like tension where like this matters. <laughs> yes. I, my brain can't process left and right anymore. So I have to, to do see that. The L. Yeah. Got to see the L <laughs> I, I didn't catch that subtlety, but now that you say that I, I'm recalling it and yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's good. He's, he's in a tense moment and it was cool that the, kind of the whole reason he was in there was to hook up that, that bypass to the router. Um, to allow Barbara to get in with her fancy geek squad skills and hack the back computer to make a bullshit user interface that would make Crane think that he actually had control of bombs when really he had nothing and was just tapping at nothing. Yes. What a loser. What a, how do you not know like that this was just a screenshot? Well, I mean, cause it was interactive. And yeah, and it was counting down and stuff. Yeah, and it's Crane at Scarecrow level, which he doesn't care at this point. He's so manic. He's so manic that yeah. you can, no more countdowns. Yeah, you could put a big red <laughs> button in front of him and he'd still press the button. I want to be in a position someday where I can say, fuck it, no more countdowns. <laughs> and then just push the big red button. I don't know what the button will do, but I just want to be in that position. Um, and all of that leads up to the big awfulness that is the finale of this <laughs> episode right. and it you know look when when the uh when the episode title dropped twitter was all a buzz because purple rain i immediately i think like most people that i saw because they've had such a stellar choice of music throughout this entire season the obvious go-to was Prince and boy, did they shit the bed on that. And I have to I disagree with you so much. What? I disagree. I think it would have been so cheesy, so cheesy in all the wrong ways. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been cheesy, but at this point we are, we are neck deep in Swiss for the credits song. I think you would have been safe, but like within the episode, the song no. we got was lame as fuck. I'll tell you what, it was not memorable at all because I don't even, I don't know. Yeah, yeah same here. And that's <laughs> yeah, the, that's the thing. The I would rather music. have it be not like cheesy memorable because if it's cheesy memorable, that means it's really bad. That that That's like echelon bad. Prince did the 89 Batman soundtrack. And think, think about <laughs> this. It. Think about this, Steve. If they use the Prince music... It'd probably leave a really sour taste in everyone's mouth. I, I, in, man, in, in a portion of people for sure. Yeah. Twitter wanted it so bad. I wanted it so bad. I'm not even a Prince fan, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm not at all. Oh, remember, just right there, Steve, you're saying Twitter wants, wants this. We, we've all known that Twitter wants terrible things. Some of Twitter <laughs> wants very terrible things. I will give you that. But it Gentlemen. just. Let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? Yeah, see, Mike gets it. Uh, I just, it really bothered me um, that we didn't get it. Now, I understand from a licensing perspective, it would probably cost them like 14 kidneys to license that song. Easily. And and that whole estate is a clusterfuck right now between the, the entities that own it and the family. So 
So I get it. I just was not wild about the song selection, but that paled in comparison <laughs> to the rest of the shit show that I was totally not digging. Uh, Lauren, how did you feel about this insanity that ensued? Uh, I mean, it was fine. Um, <laughs> Dave is over here. He's ready to pounce. He loved it. I don't know that I loved it, but I certainly didn't hate it either. It was fine. I mean, it was it was certainly a an interesting take on how to handle that situation, especially when some people are already dead and stuff like yes. that. And everyone's infected with the water and everything, too. So I have to assume that the Lazarus pit in small quantities would kind of cure everyone of that water insanity as well. So, um, I mean, yeah, it was it was a plan and it was an OK job. And that's it. <laughs> could have been cooler could have been worse so so the fact that that was it for lauren i think speaks volumes because lauren is usually <laughs> very verbose with her feedback on things i'm not convinced i think deep down inside lauren is still struggling with this it, it was a goofy comic book thing it like just to exactly. make, make it rain and like you know i don't love it but like yeah. you know what what obviously they were going to cure the city with the Lazarus pit. How else could they have done it? Had Superboy drink it and just spit it all over the city. I like, would have believed that I, better. I'm, I would, like, hey. I'm, I'm just saying like either any, any option is going to be weird. The, my, my real gripe. And I said this off air and it's fucking, it's whatever. It doesn't matter because they never really established this and in the, any yes. of the stuff that they established. But what... a Lazarus pit is only supposed to work for one person. That person can use yeah. it over and over. Yes. But like assuming Roz had never been in this pit that they said he placed here. Assuming that Jason was the first one ever in it, cool, we got Jason back. It shouldn't have worked for Dick, and it wouldn't save the rest of the city. Yeah. But that's a fucking the little thing that who cares because— well, They didn't explain pits yeah. anyways. Agreed. Well, the thing also to, to add to Paul's point about that, for me, why it works is because it worked in tandem with the actual ending. What happens to Crane and— we finally get some ex, some quote unquote this universe's explanation of a Lazarus pit and what it contains and what it's supposed to hold. And that's fair. <laughs> I, just the entire thing of Raven sucking all of that out of, to your point, it could have just been Connor sucking it. I mean, look, I bought into Superman, you know, ice freezing an entire lake in Superman three and dropping the lake on a chemical plant that was on fire. That was believable. He could have froze it and they could have handed it out as ice cubes to cure everyone. Or just <laughs> not cure everyone. Like you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. So it's okay if there's collateral damage in this situation. I mean, all the cops the that got shot city? are still dead. Probably. There was, Lauren, they evacuated so many people out of the city. The people that were left behind, fuck them. <laughs> Like, I thought wow. they closed off Gotham and didn't let people in and out. There was they they had let out a bunch of people and there was pockets of people that were still in the city trying to defend their turf. Steve for mayor. Okay. <laughs> like you all had right, your all chance. Right, right. And why were you out anyways? You know that you know that Scarecrow and these corrupt cops have taken over the city. What the fuck are you doing outside anyways? It's panic. It's well, pandemonium. no, but like the 
Yeah, and like drinking the water is more so what I was talking about, not like the people who just happen to be out and about doing nonsense. It's like everyone who drank the water, how long are they going to be infected for and stuff, you know? Well, I don't know, but it'd be one hell of a trip in the in the time that they were <laughs> infected based on what we saw. But it just for her to to suck out the energy or the the essence of the pit and then somehow Starfire along with Blackfire are going to contain it in this this plasma bubble that she can just carry around like a big beach ball. I, it's the, a balloon. The, the weather balloon. The weather balloon. <laughs> the Starfire, um, whatever, I, Corey Blackfire thing was like weird and, you know, whatever, fucking whatever comics, right? But um, like Raven pulling the darkness out of it, that's like, that's like Raven shit. That's I have Raven's zero yeah. issue with any of that. I have no issue with that. I have an issue that she pulled it out and then two other characters use their goofy ass powers in ways that we've never, never seen. seen or established on screen and now she has a uh, a plasma weather balloon as david it says and then they just are gonna float it up into the sky and create they, a storm they should have like heated it and then frozen it into a ball because well, connor could have yeah. just blown on it and then you just throw it up into the sky and you explode it or something yeah we we get to the same point it's just makes slightly more nonsensical sense correct especially after connor had done his barry allen whiteboard session ted talk <laughs> like it would have been awesome if he drew a cloud like i yes get over yes. it <laughs> he drew a cloud. <laughs> that was the whole and thing and some arrows yeah, but like play up the sciencey side of that. I mean, he gonna... did. He explained how like wind pressure works and stuff. I feel like you just hate whiteboards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surrounded by them. Well, not right now because I'm not in the office, but well, I am also surrounded the, I, by them. I get I understand why the concept of essentially what they were doing was I forgot what the what the process is called, but it's basically causing your own man-made rain condensation no not no, condensation, no, no. condensation. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the people that used to always try to dump uh, mountains of salt mountains of salt into the into the clouds air, into the clouds and make them make them rain. it's called cloud seeding cloud seeding thank you and essentially they did that they did and, with lazarus pit and give the reason why i give this moment a a half pass half pass is because it goes into Dick's thinking. It's a full pass. It's basically, you know, like he said, we got to do something different. Something that basically normal superhero tactics is not going to work. So we we're going to use <laughs> Bill Nye the Science Guy unproven method for cloud seeding. It's different. <laughs> oh my God. That's why I said, I, you know what? Are All you- right, I've no, I've come, I've come, I've come around on it. I'm against it now. They should have just pumped <laughs> the Lazarus pit into the drinking water. <laughs> yeah, boom. That's and there's a much where you blow up my, my my thing because I was hoping no one would bring that yeah, up. At the end of the day, they're still using the pit to save the city. That was unavoidable. Like, duh. But you're gonna have and- a handful of people that died from the gas. But well, even those people, Steve you just splash his collateral damage. Splash a couple water Th- in their you, face. Lord. They're fine, probably. <laughs> Don't they have to ingest it, Paul? I, no, I, I mean, apparently not. It. If it just rained on them. Oh, no. Yeah. But it was on them and your, your body. Well, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> your body's like, the largest organ yeah. or your, your skin's the largest organ on your body. Water so. in the face is in fact on you. 
Okay. Yeah. I think Paul hire me for season four. Paul just wrote a better ending because, um, the only cool thing about that scene was watching Donna lasso a lightning bolt. And the only reason I like that is because we saw wonder woman do it. Wonder woman 84 in 84. And I loved it. Okay. Let's see. I'm yeah no I'm 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 fully committed to this because they would have used the when Crane like tricked them into granting him access to the water main to begin with mm-hmm. that ended up you know he fucked up some people and got the city kind of crazy but at the end of it it didn't it didn't matter because he just came up with a new toxin that was just straight killing people when he when he went full bore so them using his own plan to access the water main and save everybody like it's just it would have it would have been great it would have been the ultimate fuck you just like him hearing the audio tape of bruce it would have been like taking that dagger and just grinding it into his rib cage so i'm with paul on this i'm I'm glad that you came around to the right side of this debate (laughs) but you just said that you just enjoyed a lot of the visuals that were going on in this I didn't say it was not pretty, visually pretty, and I i mean, I'll watch Donna do just about anything, but it, it made, was really unmemorable. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Yeah, the only thing that's... that was memorable is the title and the lack of prints. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> back to Donna, does she just have like double jeopardy on electricity now? She just like can't die the same way twice? Must be. Must be. Must be. Okay. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's fucking, that's a, that's a great, that's a great outcome. Yeah. Imagine dying from getting shot. And never getting shot just, again. Like you're you immune just, to bullets. Yeah, right. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how anything works. That's, but that that's, must how, be it. that's how vaccines work. You get a shot and then you're immune from the shot. Yeah. You're immune from needles. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't. Another needle can never, you can never be, be pierced by a needle again. Ever. That would Congrats. be amazing. That would be amazing. So, you know, to your point, Paul, the the, the other the, the thing that did work was that Raven and Dick visit Crane exactly. in, in the Arkham Asylum and she throws up all over him, which was terrible to watch. I mean, very made me want to throw up. This was <laughs> yeah. but the beautiful thing about this was it was probably the darkest moment the Titans have ever done because if you think about it, essentially what they did and this is going back into comic book lore again is do what the justice league did in identity crisis, basically, basically truly punished a criminal with his own medicine, with his own medicine. Mm-hmm. I just left him as is. And we know yeah. that that's going to come back to haunt them. Will uh, it, I don't think it will because that guy's not going to be on the show anymore. Yeah. But, but yeah, we know that he's not going to be on the show, but the implications of what they did, I mean, he's already in an asylum. That's where you put people like that. Like he's locked away. He's, he's locked away here. standing up in a straight jacket. The guy can't pee, poop, drink or eat. I mean, and he's he can, going nuts. but it's messy. It's really messy. <laughs> I, I gotta really... get him one of those suits from Dune. A still suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my uh, my only issue with it was um, yeah, just the the presentation because you know like I am I'm very over like that conjuring whatever puking up plasma thing, especially because it was Raven. She could have just like had the little dark tentacles come out, envelop him in like a cloak of darkness, and then just dissipate, and he's fucking screaming. Fair, but I think there look- that would be different magic though. We know that that we know the Lazarus pit is based on different magic than what you know Ravens you, is based on. You don't get to say how she fucking transfers emotions from one state to another. 
<laughs> you don't get to do that, David. Do not mansplain empathetic powers to empathetic me, David. Powers. She's well, got to puke them into him. Yeah. and got to force them all the way in. I appreciate the puking because this is a guy that his whole basis is on fear. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty fucking afraid of somebody throwing up on me. Especially yeah, throwing up into yeah. you. On me, because into then me. I would stop. It should have gone like into the nose and the eyes too. That like it, full oh God, face. No. Yeah, oh. that's terrifying. It's still pretty. She threw up in his mouth. Yes, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to stop throwing up if someone threw up on me. What if they threw up in your mouth? I would <laughs> die right there on oh. the spot. <laughs> just like just like a slinky. Just back and forth. <laughs> oh no! I actually have a real problem with vomiting. Like I'm a sympathetic vomiter. I don't know so, what that means. If somebody like pukes if I close see to her. Someone, oh. Yeah, if She's I see puke. someone throw up, even if it's on a TV, if I like watch a scene in a movie or something where someone's throwing up, like, eh, it depends. If it's like really like obviously just like cheesy and terrible, it doesn't bother me. But if it is like, say it's like a recorded video of someone actually like real life throwing up, I will gag and if I keep watching, I will throw up. <laughs> so so it's like, stand by me. Lauren's like, sure, I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> I I don't remember I the scene can't. where somebody pukes into somebody else's mouth. <laughs> yeah. No, where everybody's yeah, throwing up. And it becomes a bar for Rama. Rama. <laughs> I don't remember that. I haven't seen that movie in probably two decades. We're so. old, Steve. We're, that, old. we're, we're old, David. <laughs> we're old. So, you know, we, we already talked about it, but, uh, well, look, the team saves the day and they all go to the hangar thinking they're going to take the Bruce jet back to San Francisco. And that's not what happens. Dick gets an RV and they're going to road trip it, like meet the Millers across the fucking country. And that has got to be a terrible drive. I can only imagine Jason makes amends with Bruce, which was good to see. Which they, was a good scene. I it was a good scene. I wanna just if if you're gonna like bounce through these things, I I wanna see that road trip. I want that to be like the yeah. first oh several God, episodes yes. of next season. I one hundred percent. I mean agree. shit, that forty four hours, that could be all of next season. They could be stopping I, at places along the way to San Francisco doing <laughs> anti crimes, like, saving people. I, That's what I meant. Route sixty six <laughs> it the whole way. Yeah. That'd be great. Two things about that. Um, first of all, I love that that's legitimately like this is really Dick stepping into being a leader. Yes. He's yeah. really treating this like a family vacation to build morale, build bonds, reintroduce everyone, introduce him, um, get everyone really, really close and trusting each other, relying on each other just taking a break but also team building at the same time and i love that everyone else was like oh yeah no because flying on the jet wouldn't be cool but gar sweet baby gar recognized it for what it was yep. and was just like family road trip yeah okay let's go <laughs> yeah i think it's a brilliant idea to do that paul i'm with you even if it's not the whole season, give us at least one or two episodes or three episodes of them on the road. And you can have those moments of tension uh, of being cooped up in an RV together. You can have all kinds of goofiness ensue. Um, 
it could be really fun. But Tim's on the bus with him. Yes. Tim's going to learn how to be Robin from Dick, from not this, Bruce. Is that kidnapping or? No, no his parents allow him. Yeah, his parents basically. His parents let him stay and save Gotham, not go to San Francisco yeah. with strangers. <laughs> he did not get a note from them. You're right. So they. He's going to call them from the RV, just like, hey, mom, you, you said know what, I could go. And you know what's going to happen? That's true. The, mom, his mom is probably going to go, okay, that's fine. Goodbye. Click. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody should call Child Protective Services and have that kid taken away and just given to Dick. Dick will be a better parent than his real parents. I don't know that that CPS would agree with you. <laughs> I was about to say. They are harboring guns in a in a rice room downstairs. Um but you know, like you're we saying, Jason has his little moment with Bruce, which was really touching. It was good to see. Um there's no going back for Jason. Which I really that, appreciate. That, yeah. Honestly, that scene was great the like because they're they're essentially like realistically jason and bruce are on like equal grounds they still want to do good but like they have both done a big fuck up in like murdering jason probably more so because like that person meant more to him and to his team than like bruce killing the joker but the that follow-up line with like when you killed the joker was that for me like that wasn't like, like that was Jason dying was the breaking point. That is why Joker had to die. And mm-hmm. that is what like snapped in Bruce's head and allowed him to go that far and like handle that. And then, you know, yes, it was. And Jason just thank you. Like, fuck. Well, it's, that yeah. was that was their version of like reassuring that there is love there. That was Jason asking Bruce if he loves him yeah, and him saying yes. In their own weird, overly masculine lack of open emotional talk. Yes, that's exactly what that was. And think about it. I mean, like the story in comics, the one thing that's always been the, the crux of the relationship between Jason Todd and Bruce is Jason always harboring that thing. You let this guy live. And you had to let let him live and not do anything for me. Here, we get something different. We actually get, I think, not just like a really great character development for, for Jason, but also for Batman. This is a far different Batman now because he came out and said, yeah, I'm willing. I was willing to kill someone because they took you away from me. Yeah, it, it's a much different Batman. It, it sets the stage for a different telling down the road. But now, unless we get a spinoff, there's no That's reason. The caveat. Yeah. yeah, there's no reason to have Jason on the show unless it's like they call him in for some help. His his character arc can be bookended and done with. Um, and and Bruce, there's no reason because the team's all going to San Francisco. They will get to San Francisco eventually. The only thing that's really still happening here, though, if they do a spinoff, is we we will have Jason. Well, they they said Jason is leaving Gotham too. Yes. So wherever the hell he goes, and yeah, still spinoff do do that because do that. like Argus isn't Gotham based. He right. can go, you know, and so. they can put Star, uh, Blackfire as a replacement to Starfire, which, like we said before, would yeah. make I've been, sense. I've been saying because, like the the most recent, um, you know, whatever team that 
that has been in um, Red Hood and the Outlaws is um, after after Starfire, Roy, and Jason, they moved on to like Jason, a like second stringer Artemis. Amazonian, yeah, Artemis, Artemis. and fucking Bizarro. Bizarro. Um, but like Jason, Roy, and Donna. And I mean, fuck it, throw Connor in there if you want to. But it seemed like he was good and went with the team. But Jason, Troy, Donna, because they already tried to recruit Donna mm-hmm. like that. That's the I'm, I'm good with that. That's the team I want to see. And and it could it could work. Yeah. And so Donna is going to head off to Paris because she has to give the message of Hank to, to Don. Fuck you, David. So <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. And And really, the one person that really gets the shaft here is Barbara Gordon. Because she's just left there all alone after a nice romance with with Dick kind of coming back. And now she's without Dick. <laughs> she is dickless. She's dick. <laughs> so, I mean, she's not some, like, some damsel in distress, though. I'm not saying you know, she like, is. She does fine on her own. She does more than fine on her own. She's a total fucking badass. But... She was getting back with Dick. Like, that, yeah, there that was, was that romance that, that was, was coming budding. back, and other, I like that. Other than Tim and Stephanie, they're like they're my favorite, my favorite little romance in the Gotham world. So I feel you. Um, it is it is a bummer to watch them sort of rekindle things and then have them both go their separate ways. But it is so in both of those characters' natures yes. to just yeah. be like, hey, listen, I have to s- stay the course of what I'm doing. You know, I you know I can't go with you, and I know that you can't go with me. Yeah, and, and who and knows? So they, like always, just put a pin in it. She can always walk away from the badge. No, she can't. She can. <laughs> she can give it to uh, a bug-eye lady and, <laughs> from Argus and let her take it over. I don't, I don't know how Steve missed that, but whatever. Keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> Miss what? She can't walk she can away from wheel. anything. God, she can wheel it. Paul, that's so. That fun. wasn't my joke. You, were, you the missed only one it. That missed it. She can do wheelies. She can wheel away from Gotham. That's go. so fucked. All right, we're gonna take a quick I bet break. She can do wheelies. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break and come back and get final scores. Okay. Now, I wanted to do this a little differently, but we'll do it how I have it here. Um, episode scores and season scores. So, Lauren, give us your episode score and your season score. Uh, oh, frick. How do you want to do season scores? Do you want to, like, add up? And, like, I was going to, but there's so many blanks. Um, because No, we, there's not. Did you put them in? Oh, you bet I did. Oh, God damn it. I, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to do the math that quickly. I'll do... I'll do the se- the episode score first, and then you can figure out math because I can't do that, dude. There's so <laughs> much scrolling in this document, <laughs> but I appreciate that you put it in there. I do appreciate that. Why don't we go through the episode scores first? Oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to aggregate this fast enough, Lauren. I am yeah. not the okay. oracle. All right. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. <laughs> I don't know what my season score is because that's just that feels impossible, but. Episode score. Yeah, I I don't know that I would agree with like whatever my average thing came out to be anyway. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Um. Okay. So this episode, honestly, I'm really torn. I think I'm gonna give it an 88. Okay. Um. I think overall, 
what it accomplished was really good. Um, there was a little bit of a misfire towards the end in that the big climactic problem solving situation um, was a little bit unmemorable for me, but it was pretty and it was very comic booky. Um, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah, I'm gonna go with an 88 um, for the season. I'm gonna go with a 93, 94, 94. <laughs> okay, bumped it up there right at the end. Paul, yeah. what about you, buddy? Um, for this episode, I, you know, I, I really like the end, et cetera, et cetera. But um, like it was better than last episode, but otherwise probably one of the weaker episodes in the season. Um, so I'm gonna go an 89 for the episode. And for the season, that little document to update, there we go. I'm going to go, uh, I think I'm going to go like a 96. Like this is a like required watching if you are a vaguely interested in any element or character of the show. I think that's a fair statement. David? Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> Episode, <laughs> I'm going to give it a hundred. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Steve. I'm kidding. 101. Um, you are fired. <laughs> uh, I'm going to. The funny part is my score is exactly like Paul's. It's 89 for the episode. I actually liked everything except that the, the conclusion to it. However, after watching it a couple times, like narrative sense, it makes sense. It makes logical sense how everyone was leading to that moment. Would would it be better like how Paul put it? Yeah. I mean, you'd probably lose a couple of elements that you you wouldn't get the end scene with Crane through through you going through the water. Yeah, you would. She could still pull the darkness out. Thank you, you could, Paul. But you'd have to actually then add more to it and basically say, okay, she's got to pull the darkness out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She could also. I mean, they, they pulled the darkness out so that all of the people receiving the pit wouldn't get waters. the fear and yeah, wouldn't have to fight to come back. Yeah. They'd just be able to be resurrected. Right. And I think honestly, the problem with the whole scenario that they did was it was very campy and it was very simplistic. It's very simplistic. It's pretty much Lauren hit it on the head about it being unmemorable. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, there were so many great moments in this episode that you just can't you you can't skip over you can't skip over scarecrow that whole that whole opening of him finally as i put it becoming the better scarecrow in his brain i thought that was actually genius because it went worked for the narrative that worked for his characteristics mm -hmm. and then seeing dick's growth <laughs> at the very end becoming a quote unquote better batman i thought that was genius too and then everyone coming together and the gar elements and that ending scene too with Bruce and us getting to see a different type of Batman. Yes. In a lot of shows, I've been very critical of saying, Oh, there's too much Batman to me. If you're going to do a Batman, you got to be different. You got to give us something different in the very end. They gave us something different simply by basically doing something that I don't think any of us Batman fans would ever expect Bruce to do, which is 
say, yes, I will kill the, I did kill the Joker for yeah. you. <laughs> it, 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 it's a different Batman. It's a far different Batman. And now it makes me even more interested. I hope that they continue on and they bring back Bruce and we do more with Jason now because there's so much you can do with it. So 89 for the episode for the season, I'm giving this a solid 90. It's a really must watch for DC fans. I think that, you know, if you ask me to compare it between, you know, like Stargirl and Doom Patrol, it's really tough now because it's almost like comparing apples and oranges for me because I can't say either one now at this point is better than the other. They all have like these really different elements. It doesn't matter because Swamp Thing bests them all. <laughs> till will, the end. And I will die Till on the that. end. But so besides that, so solid 90. I think it's a must okay. watch. So I'm, you know, you know, there was a lot to love about this episode, but for me, strictly, I, this is one where I have to peel away my Batman lust because <laughs> it goes beyond <laughs> love. I lust for Batman and all Bat mythos and everything about the Batman, everything, and so I have to look at it strictly as a critic. And for me. I can't go higher than 80 on this one. I wish I could. You guys bring some very compelling arguments and very compelling points, but I have to balance this out um, with what we also have to do as reviewers. Um, For the season, though, as as much as this is probably the lowest score I think I've given personally on any of the previous episodes or compared to any of the previous episodes... As a whole, I'm fully in agreement with you guys. This is absolute must-see Bat TV, even though it is a Titans-centric show. It's a must-watch for anybody that loves Batman, hands down. And for that, I have to give it a 95. It's just such good Bat content. So let's see what they bring next next year. Um and see what season four brings and see if it's just as fun back in San Francisco. That's going to do it for this season of DC on R and D Titans edition. Big thanks to Lauren and Paul and David. And don't forget, you can always check out our older episodes of DC on R and D through Apple podcast, Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, or DC on RMD.com. And check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. Till next year. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God! Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 